The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And tame, and tame again. Break up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! Cometh the hour, cometh the climb down. The NFL embrace the cold, wet night in Stoke. Ball plinths in the seventh tier. How many points can be in a cushion? A comprehensive preview of San Marino versus Seychelles. The Premier League of club badges. The Turkish Super League 11 quiz. Brought your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 190 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me for today's adjudication panel is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, not too bad at all. Alongside you, as he so often is, is David Walker. How's it going for you? Um, I noticed a sense of deja vu here slightly, but in your search for football action this weekend, you stumbled across some ice hockey. It's basically the same thing, isn't it? Same dynamic. Yeah, so I went to the ice hockey uh, at... Ali Pally, the Haringey Huskies taking Huge on the Lee Valley. Huge because you said Ali Pally like this last time, so I'm convinced <laughs> we talked about this, but carry on. Taking, uh, yeah, Haringey Huskies v the Lee Valley Lions. Oh, yeah. Haringey won 6-1. There was an obvious golf in class from the... Uh, from the opening salvo. It is very, yeah, well, sort of similar. I mean, it's sort of, so it's six aside. It's, it is, it is kind of like watching Masters football. <laughs> the sort of, because the venue's the sort of same, the same sort of crowd, it's the same shape pitch, it's sort of the same dynamic. I did notice about the go- the goalkeepers, was I was sort of focusing on them a bit, and it occurred to me that you couldn't really, in the way that we say about football goalkeepers, oh, they're a great shot stopper. The, the goalkeepers in ice hockey are nothing but shot stoppers. <laughs> This like they're so big, they fill the whole goal, and they just let the ball hit them. They don't yeah. even really move towards it that much. It's just in their big, their big unwieldy pads. It just sort of hits them. They don't really come out. They don't really distribute the ball. They just sort of pour at the ball and occasionally stop it if they can. When I saw um, Charlie that David been to the ice hockey at Ali Pali, and I saw that they, it was an organised thing. It was it was you know the UK league of of some levels. All I could think of was kind of to employ a football mentality to it. And I thought some of those players are going to be sort of like journeyman North Americans <laughs> sort of over here playing ice hockey. And I just wonder what that's like. Like, what do you think? How do yeah. Feel? Or, or, or is that kind of like playing an MLS in our football? <laughs> Maybe. Is I would it, go I'd be more like sort of Indian Super League, I'd say. I think it's that, that obscure. Yeah. That's, that's a, a sobering thought, isn't it? Mm. We like to think of ourselves as sort of the centre of... The universe. Yeah, I suppose it is. Would it not be more like somebody going to America and playing cricket or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's more like it. I would say that's more like it. Um, Just in terms of how thrilled they are to be there playing their sport for us. Mm. Some bloke has just turned up because there's no football on, pointing his phone at them. Um, But no, that's fine. But... um, Before we get stuck into the education panel, I want to start on a a serious note, really. I I imagine there are a few concerns about what an otherwise non-serious football podcast would have to say 
after the events of last week. And I think there's been a genuine a few days of quite profound reflection on what it all means and the historical significance of of everything that's gone on. But I just want to say that I was completely wrong about cometh the hour, cometh the man. <laughs> <laughs> I was completely wrong. I accept it. I'm very glad that you've um, that you've been so big and bold enough to admit that because I, I was listening. And as Charlie pointed out at the time, whilst I would normally take the such situations very literally, you were obviously wrong in this case. <laughs> Even I've lost I. you. I've lost <laughs> it completely, haven't I? That's a shame. That is a shame. But that is very big. I mean, we were wondering if it was going to be, yeah, the, the Instagram take to Instagram or that use the notes app on your phone and do mm. it that way. Mm. But this feel, I mean, this feels right, doesn't it? Stick well, I mean, to the I, medium where it came out. I mean, joking aside, I genuinely didn't want it to become some sort of parodical argument. I, I, I stuck to my guns initially on the podcast because I thought I was right. The more, more I considered it, I realised I was wrong. But the secondary argument I, I then came up with, which is that some commentators do do it more than occasionally, still stands. I think that's still fair. That's nothing to do with me. That's nothing to do with my viewpoint. This is factual. It still happens, right? Yeah. Yes, but I think it's sort of how related those two things are. Mm. So I think it does happen, but I don't think it's sort of because of that that it happens. Okay. I think you're, you know, no one's suggesting that commentators do it, but then on, around the hour mark say, no, we can't say it. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're not, it's not, you're not so wrong that that happens. Now you've said it like that, I feel, you know, sufficiently humbled. An entente cordial has been reached on this, I think. Uh, let me remind everyone, of course, that our live show is going on tour in November. London, Manchester and Dublin. If you want to get tickets for this, go to myticket.co.uk. You'll find us just underneath the Sam Fender ad and just above the ad for the 2023 tour dates for death metal outfit Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe buy some for them as well while you're at it. <laughs> Why Can we not? do like a two for one with them or something? Mm, <laughs> definitely. It's the same vibe, I think. If all of that is too complicated for you, just Google Football Clichés Live and you'll find it instantly. Seven weeks to go, Charlie. We're ready. We're not ready, but we're looking forward to it. We will be ready. Yeah, we, yeah we're ready and we're sufficiently, we're in a position whereby we will be ready hmm. on the day. We've tentatively said we should actually prep some stuff, which is the first step towards prepping stuff slight uh, inconvenient spanner in the works charlie has decided to to time the arrival of his child somewhere between now and then so um that good is luck. true good luck thank hope you yeah i hope it doesn't ruin it yeah i should say that yeah if you don't if i'm not here for the next few weeks mm. i will be off work for like six months but because this isn't work i'll be picking this back up after a few weeks of, mm. of childcare. all i'm gonna say is i hope your baby is delivered on the hour mark <laughs> <laughs> come with the hour come with the midwife and that's all i have to say about that yeah um, is, is, peter Drury, is peter jury gonna be there <laughs> i don't think so i really nice. hope he is <laughs> i mean as i mentioned in the book i do sort of dream of that scenario kind of narrating those key moments in my life what a scenario that would be right let's kick off with our, our esteemed stateside colleague nate tice commenting on the buffalo bills prospects in the nfl this season on the athletic football show it's i hate sounding like this it's uh i think in in uh soccer they say yeah can they win on a rain a cold cold rainy night stoke like that's kind of like for the bills even though they play in buffalo it's like what how do they win ugly great to see this mm. like, entrenching itself stateside charlie it's good isn't it yeah i mean that feels like a sort of leads days mm. scenario people will, uh, will will understand what it means mm. well would they though i wonder if the audience of the athletic football show nfl fans who aren't at all interested in soccer will even know where stoke was Were they 
I mean, he's obviously I, qualified it by saying we need to win ugly, but... I think you're underestimating the cultural reach of Breck Shea here, Dave. Yeah, no, fair enough. <laughs> Jeff Cameron. But I think as well, there's something slightly onomatopoeic about Stoke. It sounds quite harsh and hard and unglamorous. Stoke. So I think that the, the sort of inference would be there. And you've got the weather element as well to sort of signpost that it's, you know, grisly and tough and unforgiving. Yeah, they've got those places in the US, right? <laughs> they isn't, understand it. Isn't Buffalo one of those? Sort of near Canada, isn't it? <laughs> It's, it's be even har- probably even harsher yeah. winters than. Uh, yeah. I, well, yeah, exactly. I think so. They should be used to it. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. That was the point they were making is they were too comfortable and they can't go on the road and dig out results in the tough to go places. So who knows? Yeah, but is for them is for them going to like a warm place tough? <laughs> they're used. They're used to the they they're used mm. to the harsh conditions that they normally play in. So going on the road to Tampa. Mm. <laughs> so like England at a major tournament Wilton yeah, in the heat I don't know England yeah. in Manaus We're woefully out of our depth here <laughs> Yeah we are Yeah well, well We'll let them clear it up Next up Love this from the Sport Fundy Charlie He says One of my favourite genres Is where new words are created Or basic words are forgotten Due to football speak brain Here on Sky Sports News Is Paul Robinson Talking about Graham Potter's task at Chelsea No disrespect to Brighton Their, their squad is nowhere near as strong or in, as depthy as Chelsea's, if, if you like. <laughs> the only point I want to make here, Charlie, is that depthy sounds a, like a perfectly reasonable word that should exist. And I, I think it's actually better than deep. Deep just suggests a big squad. Depthy suggests strength in depth. Yeah, and strength I, in depth needs a kind of yeah. adjective. <laughs> as depthy. Yeah, I can see why he does, because it's a, you get there quicker than you do, especially if you're talking you know, on live TV or whatever. I can totally see how that happens, because you have to make, yeah, it's a slight leap to go from depth to deep. Yeah. And as we always say, totally makes sense. Mm, absolutely right. Dave no one's confused by me. that. Yeah, I think, I think depth should be allowed into the, uh, into the football lexicon. Yes, I, I am, I think, uh, particularly when it's used, it's used with such ease there by, by Robbo. Mm. Um, but yeah, it sounded, sounded perfect, yeah. Yeah, happy with that. I, I mean, I can imagine Adam, one of us talking about strength and depthy in in the way of like, uh, mm. as in it's ridiculous. But I can imagine saying something like, "He's the sort of player who's cited in a kind of strength and depthy squad." You know, one of those sort of fillery players who's, who who a commentator will be like, "You look at the first eleven, and then yeah. look to the bench. They've got this player." You know, that is a very sort of like strength and depthy type player or type comment. Well, I mean, if we if we do confront this properly, I mean, I suppose the, the most grammatically correct way of saying it would be strong in depth. But that just sounds awful. Like that sounds really bad. I would take mm. depthy all day long over the mm. strong in depth. What horrible! Just a, it just makes me itch. I can't I can't bring myself to say it any more than that. So strength in depth is so funny as well because I remember so vividly when it started, and it was at the time where teams started to have squads like that mm. became a thing mm. of you know to compete on three fronts. And it must have been, you know, someone must have coined it or, you know, a few people. And it just completely took off as the, just what you say about a, a deep squad having yeah. good strength and depth. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't evoke too much more than a hint of quality, but it is more about numbers, maybe. I'm not sure. Be Thinking Now has tweeted in, Dave, with a picture from South Shields versus Geisley in the Northern Premier League. That's the seventh tier of English football. And he noted that they, um, they had a ball on a plinth. Is that level too low to have a ball on the plinth, he asks. Um, I'm assuming it wasn't televised. Nope. That level. Wasn't it an early early FA Cup qualifying, preliminary qualifying match or something? No, I think it was just the the Premier League, Northern Premier League. If it's just a standard league match at that level, I do think a plinth is a bit bit much, yes. Um, There are also uh, kids with flags, Charlie, I should add, just to to paint the scene a little bit more vibrantly for you. 
too much? It does. But then, you know, I don't want to be policing that, you know, if, if, if that, like we said before, even Sunday League is about living out your dreams and, you know, there's a degree of self-importance there. I mean, yes, I, instinctively, this does feel a little bit much. Mm. But also, good luck to them. They, you know, they're probably a lot of these players won't ever get to the level where you legitimately have a plinth. I don't know how much these plinths cost. They can't be. I mean, economies of scale. Maybe make more of these plinths down the pyramid, and they become cheaper. I don't know. But, um, but <laughs> surely these clubs don't have the resources. Good this news sort of for stuff. plinth companies. Yeah, so presumably supplied by the sponsors. Who knows? Right on slightly grander scales. Uh, B in sports had no Premier League football to get stuck into at the weekend, but they did have the uh, Lusail Super Cup which was an event to open the Lusail Iconic Stadium, which is Qatar's venue for the World Cup final in December. Um, this was between Saudi champions Al-Hilal Charlie and Egyptian champion Zamalek. And uh, who better in the studio to cover this than Didier Domi and Nicky Summerby? <laughs> Delighted to be back with Didier Domi and Nikki Summerby, two men who know all about living here in Qatar. They have both been here for over a decade now. <laughs> I'm not having that. Charlie Inze knows a thing or two about. That's just a, that's just a thing. <laughs> that uh, how much gold is packed into such a short space of time there is really really impressive. Hmm. That's such a great intro, David. It is fundamentally odd to me that Nikki Summerby has become part of the furniture of being. Well, you say part of the furniture. Sort of like the furniture you keep in the shed. Yeah, like <laughs> when you have visitors. Very. Yeah. Can you get out of the garden chairs? <laughs> get Nicky out. Nicky yeah, that is, not, that is not one. Because I, I know when we discuss being 11s and his name's come up because we know he's on it, but he's, he doesn't really fit the prototype, I don't think. He's mm. a bit of an outlier. Maybe just a... Is he kind of a broadcasting yes man? I mean, sort of a rare example of... The, I think... He's I think, been living there for years. Yes, I was going to say. When early? I think he just decided, right, you know what? Maybe I'm not getting the gigs in England. I'm just going to go to Qatar, be in... That's... That, you know, very much planted his flag. That's I true. Think. Yeah, mm, yeah. Still paying off for sense. Him. Yeah, it yeah. certainly has. Certainly has. Imagine him doing World Cup. Insane. Why not? Mm. Right, next up, Philip Stokoe picks us up about something we spoke about last week. He says, you were talking about um, how many goals comprise a cushion, Charlie. But he says, I can't believe you didn't also address how many points comprise a cushion in the league table. Please mm. address this in the next episode. Slightly trickier to pin down for me because I think any any number of points could be a cushion. Really? You could have a two-point cushion at the top. Yeah, it depends on the stage of the season a lot as well, doesn't it? Would you hear that, though, a two-point cushion? I don't know if you'd hear... I'm not sure that's enough to be a cushion. How many points in is enough to be a cushion? Could you restore Four? the two-point cushion? Yeah, you. you mm, but, but you'd restore it with a win, so I think you'd be saying you went top. Right. Yeah, but but the, you, unless you drew. To, but, but, then well, I don't but if you were top at the start of the day and then a team beat another team at lunchtime to go top and then at 5.30 you went back top. I'm, I'm backing Charlie position. here. I think the act of going top would trump yeah, and I the think idea probably of cushion. Right. I think yeah. that's okay. So maybe it has to be three or more points, Charlie. Yeah, I think I think four probably feels more of a cushion. You're then more than a win away. Okay. You've sort of got, you've got room to lose a game and still be top. So it's the same logic as goals. You, you need to be enough for you to be safe, yeah. but not extravagant. Okay. Without the cushion, you're flush on the seat, and that would be the three-point distance. So I think I think four I think four points is an acceptable. I think you can have a three-point cushion because if it can be wiped out with it in one result, exactly. Yeah, mm, yeah. Three's a grey area. It depends on goal difference, I guess. But okay, interesting, interesting logic. Now we talk a lot on this podcast, Dave, about. Um, people in the stands at sporting events knowing a thing or two about stuff. This is some pro-level knowing a thing or two from Sky's David Croft. 
at the Italian Grand Prix on Sunday. To be the top three, which at the moment is Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc and George Russell. Carlos Sainz continues on his way, uh, catching uh, George Russell, trying to give us a blockbuster finish. There's a man who knows a thing or two about a few blockbusters and from Sly Stallone down to uh, <laughs> in the pit lane. A real sort of trip under the bonnet of how these things work, Dave. Sly Stallone appeared on screen way before Crofty came out with the blockbuster setup line and you could you could just see like oh, how can I turn this around how can I how can I get him into it and it was brilliantly done effortless yes and I, and I just think formula 1 lends itself so well to those moments it's su- always such a star-studded mm. pit lane full of full of the great and good sorry you're suggesting that it's a, it's ripe for opportunity to do it but Charlie, yes. the flip side of that is that it, it means you have to think on your feet to get those segues going, right? Yeah, but I guess you're anybody. prepared. But you're prepared for at least that your mind might have to go in that way. You know, you're not caught completely cold. <laughs> you're thinking you're in that thing or two headspace. I mean, what he does, what Crofty does, very interestingly, he yeah he tees himself up first. Mm. That's quite rare. Normally, you'll just hear a. There's David Beckham, a man mm. who knows a thing or two about X, rather mm. than going, rather than pretending you're talking about X and then being like, oh, and there's David Beckham. How do you feel about that that way round of doing things? A little bit more artificial, perhaps? I think so because you're. Not, I think um, you're. <laughs> you're. It's slightly deceptive. Yeah. You know, there's a uh, because I think you know to, to to pretend that you would have said blockbuster finish without Sly Stallone there. A little insincere for me. However, I think the key difference to football is that because of the nature of Formula One and the sort of way that it's, it's, you know, it's on for two hours, there's lots of cutaways to different shots and stuff going on. So the TV director has put Sly Stallone on screen whilst he was he was commentating on Verstappen going down the straight a second before. In a football match, you're never going to have a winger herring down the wing and then no, all of a true. sudden you just cut to a picture of uh, you know Tom Cruise in the director's box. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a strange one. It was, in some ways it feels like a tap-in, but in others, the dexterity required to flick between the action and the famous person is really to be admired. You mean there's already an acceptance that things are being done slightly with this in mind. It's less, mm. yeah. it's less organic already than football. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Cruz, sorry, just how many... I mean, he would be so versed. I'm thinking mainly with like a Mission Impossible in a sort of relegation scrap where a team was seven points adrift or something. But there's so much... I mean, he must be pound for pound. Well, the, the man who One knows of the, best the most things. Yeah, exactly. Right. There's just so much I feel you could go there. That would probably be mine. The Mission Impossible, but I think there are quite a lot. Yeah, actors who know the most things uh, at sporting events could be an interesting one. International break coming up, and there's no love lost here, Charlie. FIFA's basement boys, San Marino, will play 198th-ranked Seychelles. What a match-up that wow. is. Not sadly at Craven Cottage. Has, has that been organised as a sort of playoff? No, it's just a, a mere friendly. I mean, San Marino haven't won for such a long time, of course, and um, but it does tee them up nicely presumably style of play-wise, for their clash against Estonia a week later. <laughs> that would actually be a good way to, you know, we're often talk about how do we make international football relevant again. Putting those the, the basement boys against one, I know that's sort of what the Nations League tried to do, but on a con- that's within a continent. Yeah. To do that on a global scale, I think people would watch that for a few minutes anyway. Yeah, why not? Dave, I suspect San Marino are gaming the system now. They finally decided to game the system like a few other countries, get some points on the board. They're bored of being the bottom of the table, aren't they? Yeah, you know, just in my mind, they are a little bit better than they actually are. Just by virtue of their mere presence, I just sort of subconsciously assume that they must be inching 
towards getting better, but they're not, are they? No. I love um, this indignance towards San Marino. Sort of like, just sort it out. Just, you know, have a cultural reboot or something or get, get some other players in. <laughs> Surely, yeah. Bigger. Been treading root, water for years. Root and branch, come yeah, on. Yeah, it does need a root and branch review. <laughs> some, something's gone seriously wrong there. I mean, on the face of it, this matchup might look like it's pretty superficial. There's no history there. But I can tell you, these two countries have had diplomatic relations since 2002. Hmm. So um, they, know, they know a thing or two about each other, you'd like to think. Um, but uh, th- th- this is in San Marino, by the way. Seychelles will have to make the trip. And uh, good luck to them. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Now, on Monday, uh, the Football Clichés podcast, Sister Column, It Is What It Is, published a fascinating piece of research from listener Will Cunningham, who said, I thought you might appreciate the Premier League table if the emblems of the teams fought each other over a season. Work is very slow at the moment. (laughs) Um, So not only, Dave, did he present me with a league table of the club badges if they fought each other, Mm -hmm. uh, with points totals, derived from a results grid, like a proper traditional football results grid, with the blanks cells all the way running down the middle so teams don't play each other and um every team playing each other once and he was awarding a, a win or a loss or a draw for each matchup fascinating um scenario painted here but a few technical issues i think yeah well in, firstly interesting that he didn't decide to do home and away mm. because you could that, that could come into it right like you could have your know, home territory could be important for some of the animals involved in this yeah, a it's lion a, against a bird or something. Yeah, it's a very good point, but I think he was already struggling with um, about how these elements of these badges would be brought to life, <laughs> Charlie. Uh, I mean, let's run through the list of depictions from these badges. He, but he basically selected the primary object in each one. Okay. So Manchester United was a devil. Mm. Um, Arsenal was a cannon. Chelsea and Villa both had lions. West Ham, which is a pair of hammers... Uh, he decided that they would be operated by a human being, which I think throws the whole thing into disarray straight away. That's really interesting. But you need, they have to be operated by someone. I mean, they can't, if they're just, or what do you imagine, a a hammer just sort of moving itself, I think is, is it too much of a disadvantage? It it does open up a can of worms though, because you (laughs) could take that, if if the hammers are going to be operated by a human being, uh, could the flower of Leeds United, which finished bottom in the table, I believe, mm. that could have been like, um, you know, could have been like the poisonous flower on the Joker's lapel in Batman. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> outlandish. Yeah, that that's quite extreme. Yeah. Odd that Dave wouldn't go down a literal route with this, I have to say. Um, <laughs> some, high, some standout results for you. Um, Tottenham's Cockrell just edged the, the Seagull of Brighton and Hove Albion. I would say Cockrell's are scrappier, Charlie. Is that fair? But Seagulls aren't to be messed with. Yeah, that is. I mean, there, a lot of these are really, really tough and, and very... <laughs> I mean, I remember, what you know, as a kid or whatever, you'd, you'd wonder sort of who would win in a fight, this animal or this. And this is a great... Extension of this. I mean, some of these are quite, you know, philosophical. The devil. So we're talking Satan against a lion. Yeah. Lion actually portrayed as a Jesus figure in um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and other C.S. Lewis works. So that's a real lion against Satan is a very sort of good versus evil. Yeah, but I, I think in all animal cases, these were their sort of everyday manifestations. No mythical. Sure. Sure, okay, no connotation. No, no, no. I, I just mean, you know, just that there might be those connotations. Just your, your humble, <laughs> every man lion. Yeah, yeah. Are we t- that's a good question. Are we talking about, so your average lion, not your sort of most 
lethal. Just, just kind of just average, straightforward. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is <laughs> where the devil line. really had an advantage because you could, you know, basically omnipotent, really, to a, to a certain extent against all these very run-of-the-mill animals. But uh, the hugely anticipated clash, Dave, was between the flower of Leeds United, the rose, I should say, against the bee of Brentford, um, which I thought would be a, I thought would be a draw. I think it should be a draw, but uh, Will Cunningham said that uh, the widely feared honey-producing ace went away with all three points. <laughs> well, in what way, though? Does, because would it not be a sort of almost a tortoise-and-the-hare-style thing where the flower, the, the rose, would draw in the bee the bee will then gorge itself on all the pollen and be a bit woozy <laughs> and go off and the, the flower would be the last man standing. Uh, but the, the flower benefits from cross-pollination, Charlie, so all's not lost there. They get something out of the tie, don't they? So a pyrrhic victory for the bee. Anyway, I'll just run, through, run you through the league table. Uh, Manchester United win the title by three points from Arsenal's Cannon. Uh, Chelsea and Aston Villa tied for third with their respective Lions. I mean, yeah, would a cannon, would a devil be able to resist the cannon? I mean, if a cannon's shooting at it, well, I guess the devil's got his... Uh, I don't actually know what powers it, devils have, actually, I have to say. <laughs> Aren't they... Are we doing specifically about the devil? Or they sit on the I mean, shoulder is... of the guy operating the cannon saying, mm, don't want to do that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where do you end? Shoot, shoot yourself, cannon. Go on, it'll be really fun. Shoot yourself. Maybe that is what's happened. <laughs> it's That's a real cool. outlier. It's quite annoying that, um, that Manchester United's badge has ruined this. Otherwise, it would have been a very compelling season. West Ham up in fifth with their hammers, open brackets, held by man. Then just a mess of, of animals and birds. Uh, Southampton and Nottingham Forest trees in the lower lower mid-table. The relegation zone occupied by Newcastle seahorses. Pathetic animal. Um, Fulham, which is just words, <laughs> open brackets, book. <laughs> so... I know, and then Leeds. But that's a good example. That's where the hope. That's where the format really does the seahorse out. Because if that is a home and away, then that's a fortress. If you're going like even a lion underwater, they're not going to be wanting to go into the seahorse's bed. I mean, yes, the seahorse is going to travel on the is going to struggle on the road. Yeah, but they 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 could be sort of happily pottering along in mid table Mm. with home games. Uh, speaking of uh, fortresses, Everton uh, safely ensconced in mid-table with what Will Cunningham described as a castle. It was, in fact, just a lock-up, a tower-shaped lock-up, but um, does the same sort of job, I think. so. But I think it's overall a fair, a fair table and one that should never, ever be revisited, I have to say. Um, elsewhere, the, uh, the Turkish transfer window, guys, slammed shut <laughs> days after everybody else's. And uh, I took it upon myself to um, to produce a little quiz, a Turkish Super League transfer window quiz. Dave, you've taken this quiz already, I understand. Yeah, I got six out of, what was it, out of ten? Or, eleven. Was it, it was out of eleven. I got six out of eleven, yeah. And I was a bit disappointed with that. I thought I could have done a little bit better. I mean, such is the concept, Charlie, of... of players befitting the Turkish Super League. I don't know whether this is an easy quiz or a hard quiz. Well, I think what's hard is I see we have a lot suggested to us as well because of the the episodes we've done. And so it can be hard sometimes to divorce fact from fiction. What are ones that have happened and what are people saying, oh, wouldn't this be so right? The thing about it was you made it, you you were quite a, you're quite an ungenerous um, question setter in so much in multiple choice and there there were not obvious wrong answers. Mm, Right. Which, is, I, I, which, I, which I applaud, yes, yeah. but I mean, I've, lesser lesser quiz setters would have would have 
chucked in a few obvious sort of. No, no. Yeah, way. multiple yeah. choice can make it harder if, mm. if you're just because it can spook you out of ones you mm. you actually know. Well. Time to wrestle with those concepts of fact or fiction, Charlie, because you've got to beat Dave's score of 6 out of 11 with question one. Which unconvincing Premier League goalkeeper was loaned to Alanya Spore this summer? Asmir Begovic, Runar Alex Runason, Adrian or Robin Olsen? It's not Begovic, I know that much. He has played in Azerbaijan, though, I believe. Uh, Runason? Runason is correct. Question two. Besiktas signed which Premier League left-back on loan with an option to buy in 2023? Kennedy, Nielsen Kunku, Malang Sar, or Arthur Masuaku? Oh, that's so hard. Kennedy? It's Arthur Masuaku. Ah. Question three. Besiktas signed which Premier League defender on a free transfer? Konstantinos Mavropanos, Leo Ostigard, Roman Saiz. Or Yannick Vestergaard? Saiz? Saiz is correct. Question four. Which ex-Spain international defender joined Trabzonspor? Mark Bartra, Juan Fran, Javier Manquillo, or Nacho Monreal? Not Monreal. What were the three? Mark Bartra, Juan Fran, or Javier Manquillo? Bartra? Bartra is correct. Well done. Well done. Question five. Traps on Sport also secured which Ivorian midfielder on loan? Jean-Michael Seri, Jean-Philippe Gabamin, Seri D or Victorian Angban? Seri? It's Jean-Philippe Gabamin. Three out of five so far for you, Charlie. Um, Still work to do to match Dave's total. Which diminutive South American midfielder signed for Galatasaray? Gary Medell, Lucas Torreira, Christian Cueva or Jefferson Montero? Torreira? Torreira is correct. Four out of six. Which of these former Aston Villa players joined Trabzonspor this summer? Trezeguet, Anwar El Ghazi, Wesley, or Jonathan Kodja? Uh, Trezeguet. Five out of seven. Very good. Question eight. Which of these former Premier League wingers did not sign for a Turkish club this summer? Lazar Markovic, Bertrand Traore, Sofian Bufal, or Clinton and G? One of them didn't. One of them didn't. Well, I should know where and G is. Markovic? I feel like he'll be lower in the pyramid by now. Incorrect. Uh. The answer was Sofian Bufal. Five out of eight for you. Question nine. Which former Premier League starlet signed for Ankara Gucci this summer? Federico Makeda, Gail Kakuta, Rio Miyaichi, <laughs> or Adnan Yanazai? Kakuta? It's Federico Makeda. Ah. Five out of nine, Charlie. You've got two questions left to try and beat Dave's total of six. Question 10. Which of these Belgian forwards is not contracted to a Turkish club in 2022-23? Dries Mertens, Kilian Hazard, Mishi Batshuayi or Nasser Chadli? Batshuayi? No, he did. Because he was going to move to Forest, wasn't he, on the last day? Signed for Fenerbahce right right at the end. Uh, Yeah, the answer you're looking for was Kilian Hazard. Right. All you can do now, all you can muster now is to match Dave's total with question 11. Viewing quizzes. Where does does this saga end? Which of these former Everton players is now with Fenerbahce? Joshua King, Romero Funes Mori, Mohamed Besic or James Rodriguez? I think I saw Joshua King was in Turkey, so I'm going to go with him. It's correct. Six out of 11. Congratulations. So we're both winners. Solid knowledge of the Turkish Super League between you. Uh, Not bad at all. But it leads us on to uh, the question from Dr. Matthew Francis. Dave, he writes in, is Juan Mata Turkish Super League enough for the Turkish Super League? Uh, He joined Galatasaray last couple of days. He always struck me as having more of a J-League vibe personally. I agree with this. I don't don't Mm. see Juan Mata as a a Turkish Super League guy at all. Yeah. No, the J-League does... does fit quite nicely in the same way Iniesta Iniesta. went up yeah exactly yeah and Mata is slightly 
he's slightly sort of left field, isn't he? Yeah, I, yeah. I think it does speak to Japan's quite an interesting, trendy place to visit, mm. and that sort of ties in with his vibe. You know, he's always been very cerebral, and you know, he did the Common Goal and all of that sort of thing. And I think the Iniesta factor makes that a very good shout. Okay, interesting. But yeah, a fascinating um, corner of the transfer market that's now been concluded, but I wanted to shed some light on it. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to you, Dave, for being on the adjudication panel. Thank you. Thanks to you, Charlie. I know you're going to be away soon for a few weeks, so uh, enjoy these moments while you can. Yeah, absolutely. Deadline day just around the corner, yeah. so uh, could be any time. Good luck to you, and uh, we'll see everybody else on Thursday. Cheerio. The Athletic. <laughs>